Now, just so you'll know, if you don't know already, uh, we built this place for you. Amen? Uh, we had a <clears throat> pretty good little church going on over there in the other building. And uh, we love each other, but we don't like sitting that close to one another. Uh, we needed a new building a long time ago, and I kind of drug my feet. And then one day, I kid you not, this is one of the things that started the whole thing in me. Uh, we had a guest speaker one Sunday morning, and so I sat out there where everybody else sits, and I was like cramped next to somebody, and I thought to myself, we need a new church, right? <laughs> I thought, man, these people happen to be crammed next to one another all the time. But uh, here's the thing. Um, we're not here to promote us. We're here to promote Jesus Christ. Amen. And so long as there is an earth spinning on its axis, Jesus is going to want to touch people. So uh, we just want to have a chance to uh, love on you and uh, let you know how much Jesus loves you. So again, we just want to welcome you. If this is your first time to Crossway this morning, whether first time ever or first time in this building, uh, same church, just different location. Amen. Uh, so we want to give you uh, a proper welcome. We do have, I think there's still some back there. We have some connect cards that are, uh, if you got a packet, should have got a visitor's packet this morning. I've seen some of those floating around. Uh, there's a connect card in there, uh, just so we have an opportunity to do just that. We want to connect with you. Uh, you may have questions about the church, uh, what classes we offer, um, any, any kind of question at all. You want somebody to just, you know, you can mark on there whether you want to. We, we're, we're up into the 21st century, right? I mean, we want to get with you on whatever level you're comfortable getting with you. If you think this is a b- bunch of weird people and we don't want them, I don't want them calling me at all, just don't turn one in. But if you think, you know, I wouldn't mind a phone call or a text or an email or something just to kind of, uh, I can ask some questions. We would just like to welcome you and, and make ourselves available. You can mark on there phone call, text, email, or personal visit. And whatever you mark, uh, we will do it. Okay, so we're not asking for your blood type. Not asking for your social security number, that's on your next visit. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Completely kidding. Uh, this is very simple. Your name, names of your, you know, your family, and we just, we want to be able to answer any questions and just show you how much we love you and glad you're here. So fill out one of those. Uh, you can just leave it in your seat. You can hand it to somebody with a really cool crossway name tag. We got us some new name tags for our greeters, so hand it to one of those um, or leave it in your seat and we'll be sure. You know what? Don't leave it in your seat. I'm afraid some, we won't get it. Jeff, stand up pink shirt dude over here give it to him all right give it to him if you got a connect card or leave it with somebody on the way out all right enough of that let's get into the word this morning open your bible to the book of matthew chapter number seven matthew chapter seven and hang out somewhere along the lines of verse six and we'll be there in a minute glad to be in God's house this morning. And I just feel something feel good about being in God's house. Not just because it's Sunday, but just because God likes for his people to come into his presence. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter seven, and we're going to start reading in verse six here in a minute. I trust you've got it. I'm going to go ahead and uh, pray before I read this because I want to kind of tell a little story before I jump into it. Father, we just, we humbly, humbly come before you this morning. God, we thank you for meeting with us. Every time we assemble together, We understand, we recognize our faults, our weaknesses, and we don't always get it right. We don't always know exactly what to do in circumstances in our life, in our church. But God, we know that you always do. We know this morning, God, that you're here with us, that your ears are open to our cry. And I pray that throughout this message that you would uh, just give me a special touch, a special anointing this morning, that you can speak through me uh, the words of life, the words that encourage, that lift up, the words that convict Uh, Above all things, Lord, the words that will draw people, every soul in this place this morning that is of the utmost importance to you, 
Help me, God, just to fade into the background this morning and just be the mouthpiece um, that you can use to speak a word to this congregation today. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. Pitiful. Everybody shout amen. amen. Much better, much better. All right, so but in order for this message to really impact and, and make sense uh, and do you as much good as I hope it'll do you, you, you kind of have to understand where it came from um, and how it initiated. Uh, just a picture into my week, I guess. For the most part, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I focus on Bible study on Wednesday nights. Uh, Thursday is when I really begin to turn my attention towards the Sunday morning sermon. Uh, just praying and asking God, you know, to give me direction uh, so that when I stand up here, I can be confident I'm giving you a word from him, okay? Uh, that'll do you some good, hopefully. Uh, Thursday, generally on Thursday, somewhere around early Friday, I start, you know, as I'm praying and studying, I start getting thoughts and, you know, a direction, I guess you might say. And I keep a notebook with me everywhere I go, so I, I jot my thoughts and those directions down uh, throughout the remainder of the week. Um, then along Saturday night, you know, I'm kind of putting all of the notes together and just preparing and getting it all ready. That's typically, for the most part, how it goes down. It didn't happen that way this week. Uh, for whatever reason, I started praying Thursday as normal, and uh, God didn't say anything, okay? I, didn't have any, I really didn't have any main direction. Friday comes by, I didn't really have any specific thoughts. and um, So yesterday comes by, and I had a real long, busy day yesterday, so... Um, I, I get alone, you know, to, last night I'm, I'm starting to pray. I'm like, okay, God, I'm not sure that you realize this, but tomorrow morning is Sunday and tomorrow is when I'm supposed to stand up and nothing. I just, I, I literally, I mean, I, I could have, I could have any, meeny, miny, mo. I mean, I've got a whole notebook full of thoughts. I mean, I could have just, you know, picked anything and, and, and put together a sermon, but nothing that I felt like was just something that God wanted to say to you. Because what I believe with all of my heart is that God knew exactly who was going to be here this morning, Right. He knew he was not going to be here, and, and, but he knew who was going to be here. So I think, I feel like God wants to say a special word to each person that is here on a specific Sunday. So I just didn't have that specific direction. So tired. Oh, I was tired. It was, it was like 8.30. And I'm, I'm, like a, I'm like an 11 o'clock type. Like I don't generally go to bed until you know, 10.30, 11 o'clock, something like that. 8.30, I'm trying to study. I can't keep my eyes open. Uh, I, I told Tina and the kids, I said, I'm going to bed. And they're like, at 8.30? You know, so I go to bed. Long story, but it's, I, so I go to bed at 8.30, um, and I'm out. I mean, I'm just gone. I don't remember Tina coming to bed. I don't remember anything. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, because in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, if I sleep for like all those hours, I get up about 6 o'clock, the Lord can start speaking to me then. And, you know, I kind of made an appointment with God. You know, God here, you can start talking to me at 6 o'clock in the morning, and then I'll get all direction. Well, about 3 o'clock in the morning, our little Shih Tzu comes up and gets right in my face. This is what she does when she's got to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. She gets right up and she goes, she's standing right here. I push her back. She just does that. She keeps doing that until you get up. So I get up and I'm aggravated. I'm like, man, I was sleeping so good. I had this plan. I was going to get, I never get like eight or nine full hours of sleep, but I was going to today. I was going to wake up refreshed. And so I'm like, man. So I get up and I take her to the bathroom. The whole time I'm just mad. I'm like, and you stinking dog. I could have just broke her in half. You know, I'm just like, oh. So I, I walk out, I open the door. Of course, it's pouring rain, which sped the bathroom process up a little bit. I was thankful for that. But um, I'm standing there and I'm thinking to myself, man, this is aggravating. And I, I kid you not, I'm not making, I'm not saying that God spoke to me in this audible voice, although it did thunder about that time. <laughs> but no, uh, I just, I had this feeling, this thought, this piercing thought. And that's a lot of times, that's how God speaks to us, right? It's not necessarily an audible voice where God says, oh. That'll go and do this, but just these these thoughts that you know are more than just your thoughts. And this thought come to me as I was uh, 
as I was watching her and waiting for her, and it was like God said to me, if you're willing to do this for your dog, how much more am I not willing to do things and care for you and meet your needs? It's a little dog. I love that dog, by the way. Love it. Uh, I never understood people who just fell in love with their dogs until I got this little dog. And I do love the dog. Um, but it was kind of an eye-opener. If you're willing to get up in the middle of the night, even though you were aggravated, even though it wasn't convenient for you, but you were willing to go ahead and get up in the middle of the night in the pouring rain to meet your dog's need, how much more am I not going to be willing to do the same? So that's the title of my message this morning, How Much More? So if you're there in Matthew chapter number 7, if you're not there yet, then I suggest you get some tabs uh, to put inside your, your chapters. Uh, Matthew chapter number 7. Verse 6 starts saying something like this. This is another reason this verse came to mind. Do not give dogs what is holy, right? Uh, Don't give dogs what is holy. Let's get into this a little bit here. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. You know, there's a whole lot of meaning in there I'm not going to get into, but uh, you might look at it like this in a very simple version to kind of go along with this message is that all that sacrifice I did for my dog, she didn't get it. She didn't understand. You know, my dog was not out there in the pouring rain thinking to herself, man, I have such a good master. You know, he gets up in the middle of the night, he takes me to the bathroom. She didn't get it, she didn't care. All she knew, she just wanted to do her thing. And so she didn't understand. So I could have sat down with her and I could have explained to her, Maggie, I just love you so much, hon. You're just such a good, you're a blessing to me. I'm here for you. And she's going to go, right? I mean, she's, she's not going to, all those pearls I'm giving her, all that love I'm giving her, and she's, she's just going to chew on, you know, the toy or the remote or something. It goes on, this, Jesus, these are all words in red, by the way. Jesus himself spoke these. Verse number seven. He says this, and this applies to every child of God, okay? I want you to understand that this is a message to you. Yes, Jesus is speaking this message. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. So he's speaking to a whole multitude of people. But in order for this word, for the, for the Bible, and in order for this sermon to do you or me any good, we have to understand that Jesus ultimately is speaking this to you personally. Can you get a hold of that this morning? How many of you can grab a hold of this promise of God. So Jesus says to you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Okay, do we receive everything we ask for? He didn't promise that. Okay, I mean, make that clear as we go on. He didn't say everything you ask for, I'm going to give you. He just said, all those who ask, receive. I lost my spot. For everyone who asks, receives. The, uh, the one who seeks, finds. And the one to whom it, uh, it not, to who knocks, it will be opened. And here's the big thing. Which one of you, speaking to all of us as human beings, which one of you is a human being, if his son asks him for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, okay, Basically speaking, the fact that we are of the world, we're capable of evil. I mean, let's face it, we're all pretty crummy as human beings. We get it wrong a lot. That's what he's saying. Jesus is not slamming us and saying, oh, you're just a wicked person. He's just saying that you as a human being who has capabilities of evil. And Jesus has, by the way, no capability to do any evil. God is perfect. He is love, right? But we as humans, having the capability to do evil, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? If you, there's not a person, how many, how many of you are a parent or a grandparent? Let me see your hands. 
if your son or your daughter or your grandkid comes to you and says, Mom, Dad, Grandma, Grandpa, I'm hungry. Could I have some, some of that fresh bread that you just made? How many of you would say to him, No, but there's a whole parking lot full of gravel out there. Help yourself. We would never do that. Even though we're capable of evil and we're human beings, we want to give the best for our children. Isn't that true? If, if a child comes and says, hey, you know, we caught some fish out of the pond last night. I'd like to have some of that fish. I'm not fixing you that fish, but here's, here's a copperhead. Go gnaw on that for a while. Right? Nobody's going nobody's to say that. We know how to give good gifts to our children. We know how to provide for our kids. So if we, who are capable of evil and get it wrong a lot by our own admission... How much more does a God who is perfect, who is not capable of evil or failing, how much more does he know how to give us that that we need and that that we ask for? Let me tell you something. Jesus did a whole lot more for me than stand out in a rainstorm for me to just pause for a good cause, so to speak. He's done a whole awful lot more than that for me. Amen? Jesus is is building something. Every teaching... Everything, every word that he taught, he's building up to the cross. He's wanting people to understand how much he loves us and how much he's willing to give and sacrifice so that our needs are met. Not just our physical needs, mind you, although he does meet those, but the spiritual needs that you and I have. That whole evil thing that we have to deal with all the time. See, Jesus is doing nothing more than to try to counteract that evil in our life with his good. Amen? And so the next verse is very familiar to you. You know what it is. The Bible doesn't call it this, but we do. We call it the golden rule. The very next verse says this. For whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Right? Even non-Christian people, even unbelievers who don't believe in God, atheist people will teach their children the golden rule. See, God kind of tricks them because I don't think they know it's in the Bible. Watch them on TV or something. Some... You know, atheists you know, talk about, oh, we just need to treat others well. Don't worry about religion and God, just treat other people nice. Well, that was kind of God's idea. And they don't know that. But here's, here's the thing. Jesus says to them, whatever you wish to do to others, whatever, however you want other people to treat you, you treat them. So verses 6 through 11 give us the power to do verse 12. Okay? None of us have the capacity to do good unto other people. We want everybody to do good to, do, do good to us. I mean, we, we, we got it the other way around. We're like, you know, do unto others before they do unto you. That's our mentality. That's not how it works. So we, in order for us to do to others and, and, and obey the golden rule, we first have got to allow those first verses to have its part in, it, part in us. To recognize, A, God has my best, best interest at heart. That is a very, very simple th- phrase this morning. But I hope that it is deep to you this morning. I hope that it opens your eyes in a way that you've never seen before. You can know in the back of your mind, yeah, I know God's there and he loves me and so on and so forth. I want you to understand this morning before you leave here today that God has your best interests in mind. I don't know what that looks like. And I don't know how that plays out in your life. There, there's, there's valleys, there's mountains, there's, there's rough patches, there's storms. Of course, life is life and we're going to deal with that. But in order for Christ to really have his way in us, he says you have to first understand how much more I love you than you love me. Aren't you glad that God doesn't decide to gauge his love and commitment to us based on our love and commitment to him? Everybody's, everybody wipe your brow. 
I mean, what if? Think about what that would look like. If God says, okay, I'm going to be as faithful to you and I'm going to show you as much love as you're willing to show me. We would all, including myself, be in a world of hurt. But see, the scripture says this, that God gave his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God showed us love before we ever even had the capability of showing him love. That's, that's amazing, okay? How much more? So back up, hang a left, and back up just a little bit into chapter 6. Verse 24. <clears throat> Jeff, I think I'm going to have to join you in the whole glasses realm, buddy. Maybe we just go to the eye doctor and get them together. Yeah, cheater. What a wimp. All right, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. So Jesus says, No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. King James says mammon, which just represents materialism, basically. The things of the world and what it offers you, God says, you have to pick. Everybody has to pick a master. You can't pick two. What do they call a person who decides they're going to fight for the United States of America and ISIS? What do they call those people? Traitors. And what is the penalty for that, I might add? Death. It's a pretty serious crime. If you go into the army of the United States of America, you have to pick sides. You have to choose a master. And Jesus says the same thing. It's no different with me, Jesus says. There's, there, there's a lot of masters in the world. There's Satan, there's sin, there's lust, there's money, there's materialism. And Jesus said, look, you have to pick one. Either I'm your master or you're your own master. Nobody can serve God and money or God and materialism and God or themselves for that matter. Okay, but now let's look at the next part. Therefore, everybody say therefore. therefore. Okay, do you know what that word means? It means therefore. Very good, I'm not sure you said that, but... Therefore, um, means that what is about to be said relates to what was just said, okay? So there was not any of you this morning that showed up here and the first word I said to you was, therefore, right? That wouldn't have made any sense. I see Dirk for the first time. Therefore, no, I start with, hi, how are you? I might then say, how was your week? I had a, I had a bad one, therefore. I mean, but therefore always relates what you're about to say with what you just got done saying, Okay, so what did Jesus just get done saying? You got to pick masters. Therefore, which connects the two, connects the last verse with the next. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about the body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Is, is, there, is there not more to life than just what kind of clothes you wear or whether you have them at all or what kind of food you eat? Is that really what life's all about? Not really. We make it that way, but that's really not what the intention of life was about. Uh, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow or plant nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Birds don't do squat. All they do is wake up every morning and go look for the seeds that God provided for them. Okay? Are you, of, are you not of more value than they? All of God's creation is valuable to him. But folks, all creation was created for us. Jesus looked, or God looked at all creation when he would get done uh, creating something. You looked at this in, in Genesis. When he would get done creating something, the Bible says he would look at it and say, that's good, 
right? But then when he got to the sixth day and he created man, after mankind was created, he looked at him and he said, now that's very good. So yes, God loves the birds and he wants to provide for them, but, that's, but, but, but the birds are not God's number one priority. You and I are. So Jesus is ultimately saying, if God is going to provide for the birds that really don't contribute much to the world around it, how much more is he not going to provide for you? Here's the thing. Those birds, they don't have a soul. Okay? I'm not getting into the argument. I've had people, I had a guy one time give me a book and like three DVDs about how that our pets go to heaven. I don't know. I, I told him, I said, look, I'm having a hard enough time getting people to heaven. I don't, worry, I don't have time to worry about, I don't have time to worry about their pets. I don't know how it works. I do know how it works. Our pets don't have a soul. Okay? They're sweet and they're cuddly and they're great and they have personality, but they're not eternal. There might be, I'm sure there's going to be animals in, in heaven for those of you that want to stone me for saying that, but I don't know that, that Fluffy is going to be there greeting you at the, at the pearly gates. I don't know. Maybe. I'm not God. He can do what he wants. Bottom line is, birds don't have an eternal soul. We do. Okay, that's why God looks at us with value. So if God's going to provide for and love on a bird who is just a temporary being that's going to cease to exist upon death, how much more would God, who would, how much more would he provide for you and love you who has an eternal soul that once you die here continues to live? Amen? Jesus, Jesus is saying, look, let's put it all in perspective. And by the way, if you've hunted any in your life at all, it's amazing to sit and watch squirrels gather nuts. They don't stop and say, oh God, I thank you for these nuts. You were so good to me. They just pre-program, but God is providing for them and they don't even know it. And unfortunately, many times we as human beings, God is providing for us and we don't even know it. He's meeting needs for us all day, every day, and we just race through life and we don't even know it. There comes a point, I think, where God wants us to slow down and realize, I am valued in his sight. Amen? Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by being anxious or nervous or worried, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about nothing? Or about, about clothing, sorry. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if, so, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Consider the lilies, the flowers of the field. They don't do squat. Okay? I mean, I get it. They provide oxygen and bees and all that kind of stuff. But, but ultimately, they don't wake up in the morning and go to work. Right? They don't really do anything. They're just there. Yet God provides for them. He clothes them and says, now if you read in, in uh, oh, somewhere along the lines of First and Second Kings, you read Chronicles, maybe you read about Solomon. And Solomon was the... You know, he was the wisest, wealthiest, most famous king Israel had ever had. And, and you can just imagine how the guy was dressed. I mean, just the finest of everything. But Jesus is saying that the lilies of the field, the grass in the field, are more beautiful in the sight of God. God, they're clothed just the same as Solomon was. So if God is going to provide for the lilies of the field, the water it needs, and so on and so forth, how much more is not God going to provide for you? Because let's face it. The grass, it's there today, but then tomorrow it's gone. It's going to burn up in, I mean, it's, it's going to start growing here before long in spring. The grass is already starting to green up a little bit, but come July, what's that grass going to look like? It's going to burn up, unless you burn it up quicker, which some of us know all too well about, and 
I may or may not talk about that in a minute. It, it may still be too soon. <laughs> still a soft spot right there. But. So all these verses, we just get done reading. And Jesus goes on to say, look, it's the Gentile. In other words, Jesus goes on to say, it's the world, the unbeliever, that really worries about these types of things. Uh, where's my next meal coming from? Am I going to have enough money to pay the bills? All these things that we worry about, Jesus said, ultimately, that's what the unbelievers worry about. A believer understands that if I seek God today, then he's going to provide for me tomorrow. Amen? Very simple. But we have to believe that. Okay? You understand where I'm coming from? If, if we just kind of discount that whole idea, we, we, we miss the whole point of what Jesus is trying to say. If you seek God today first, then God will provide for you tomorrow. So he goes on to say, there's never a reason to worry about tomorrow. Okay? We do a lot. But if, we, if, if the world, even just the church, could grab a hold of this one concept, we'd never take another Tums, right? There'd never be another reason for... Uh, for, for uh, What's the word I'm looking for? The bottom line is, we, we, there wouldn't be as many heart attacks, ulcers. If, if God's people, just God's people, would learn that God has my best, best interest at heart, he's going to provide for me. How much more is he going to provide for me? So if, if we as, as human beings are able to sacrifice, we understand this, the concept of sacrifice, and we will sacrifice ourselves for our children, will we not? Will you not go without that that you want in order to provide for the needs of your kids? Oh my goodness, you should. That's something that is within us. If, if you saw your child was in danger or your grandchild was in danger and was about to be killed, would you not step in the way and give your life for theirs? Every parent in this place would do that. We would gladly die for our children. So if we, as human beings, capable of evil, understand the concept of sacrifice and would be willing to give even our life for our kids, how much more would not God be willing to sacrifice himself so that you and I could go free? And that's exactly what Christ did at the cross. Amen? If we can do it, how much more cannot God do it? Because he created us. And he loves us that much. We see things in scripture, you can understand it, but I was thinking about the, the little woman, if you read back again about Solomon just a little bit, there was kind of a, a stirring, a debate between these two harlot women, they were roommates, and they both had babies, and one of them rolled over on top of her baby in the middle of the night and, and killed it, smothered it, and so while the other mom was sleeping, she swapped the babies, so she had the live one, and the mother had uh, the dead one. So when the mom wakes up, the other mom wakes up, and she looks and she's like, this, she's got this dead baby in her, in her arms. She didn't say to herself, oh, well, this doesn't exactly look my, like my baby, but I guess it must be, right? She looks at the baby and she instantly knows, this is not my baby. If, if a mother of a human being can know, you've heard me say this before, if you go into a whole room of, of children, you don't walk in there and just say, I'll, I'll just take that one. <laughs> I mean, you want yours. I mean, if you're capable of knowing your children, what they look like, what their, what their favorite foods are, if you're capable of knowing everything about your child, even to the look and to the touch, how much more? The Bible says that God has, he, he's, he knows the number of the stars and he knows how many hairs are on top of your head, however many, many or a few they may be. If God is capable of understanding that much about us, my goodness, 
then he's going to, if he knows how many hairs I've got on top of my head, then I can rest assured he's going to meet my needs tomorrow. This woman, she looks, she goes, this is not my baby. And she recognizes what happened. They bring it before Solomon, the whole argument, the debate. So Solomon in his wisdom says, bring me the live baby. They bring him the baby. He lifts it up. He takes a sword. He says, I'm just going to cut it in half. I'll, I'll give half of the baby to this mom and half of the baby to this mom. The mom who was not the mom says, okay, sounds fair. <laughs> right? What kind of moron? I mean, really? Yeah, that sounds fair. It's, it's better. Neither one of us should have the baby. So let's just, just go ahead and do that. But the mom, who was the real mom, says, oh, my goodness, no. Don't, don't. Give it to her. I, I, would, I would rather give up my rights as a mother. I would rather sacrifice the joy I have in being a mom and give the baby to her than to see the baby destroyed. And so the, the answer the, was easy for Solomon. He goes, well, that's the mom right there. Give her her baby. No mom's going to be okay with killing the baby. That mom understood the purpose and the meaning of sacrifice. If we can, how much more can God? If, if you and I do nothing more than wake up every morning and just thank God for what he sacrificed for us, we're a step ahead. Amen? You know... Even, even a, an old hen, just an old, natural, no eternal soul hen will absolutely allow herself to be destroyed by a storm in order to protect her, her chicks. What is she going to do? And scripture talks about this too. What is the, what is the hen going to do? She, she opens her wings. She get, there's a storm, hailstorm, you name And she gathers all of her chicks under her wings. And she sits there and she takes the beating in order to protect her little chicks. If a chicken, if a hen can do that for her young, how much more can God, was God willing to take the beating and to take the destruction of the cross so that you and I, could be safe. That's what it was all about. When they were beating Jesus with the cat of nine tails, when they tied him to a whipping post and beat him because they hated him, he was absolutely taking our punishment for sin. Every human being deserves hell. It don't matter if you're better than this person, you've been a pretty good person your whole life, doesn't matter. We all deserve hell because we've sinned. Whether it's one sin or 50,000, we all deserve hell. We deserve punishment because of our sin. But Jesus said, I, I, look, I love you too much for that. I'm going to Instead of you being punished for your sins, I'm just going to take it for you so that you can be safe. That is the heart of the gospel right there. Amen? We can, we can understand that concept in a very small understanding, in our human understanding. How much more? Because we, we can do that. But how much more can God? And would God be willing to do this? Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son even though he didn't want to. But the whole purpose there, here's the thing. When, when, when Abraham, when God said, I want you to sacrifice your son your only son, your prized possession. I want you to sacrifice him. Abraham was willing to do that um, for God, okay? But here's what we find out later in Scripture is that Abraham believed with all of his heart that once he killed his son, that God was going to raise him up from the dead. He understood. They believed that. Now, I'm thinking, put yourself in Abraham's shoes. Okay, think about this for a second. God speaks to you and he comes to you and says, I want you to sacrifice your child to me. Now, God would never really ask anybody to do that, but there's the, God is showing the whole world a picture here, right? Sacrifice your son. And for Abraham, 
a human being, just like you and me, to say, yes, I'm going to do that because here's the, here's the thing. God has promised me that this son is going to have many children. So God says, here's you a son. He's going to have a lot of kids. And before he ever even has a kid, God's saying, I want you to kill him. Okay? So Abraham thinks, well, God's the God of his word, so I'll kill him and God will raise him from the dead. If Abraham, a human being, understands and believes that God has the power to raise his son from the dead, doesn't it make sense that Jesus would be willing to offer his only son as a sacrifice for you and for me because God knew he was going to raise Jesus from the dead? (laughs) Wow, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. How much more? Anything you can do, God can do better. Amen? You ever, heard, what is it? you ever heard a song? Anything you can do, I can do better. Matt, take it from there. No, you can't. No, you can't. <laughs> That's how the song goes. So I, 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 That was not rehearsed. That was very well played, Matt. Was, I dare anybody to sing opposite that song of God. Anything you can do, I can do better. God, God out much mores us every time. Amen? At any point, we as human beings question God's concern for the world, we question his character. Okay? And anytime we question God's character, we question his motives. Why is God allowing to do this? Does God not love me? We start questioning God's motives. Once we question God's motives, then we begin to question his methods, why he does what he does. And then ultimately, when we question his methods, we question his abilities. Well, maybe God's just not able to meet my need. Maybe God's not able to heal that sickness or reach that loved one. Maybe God's just not able. So if we, and then we begin to think about what we would do if we were God. Why would God do this? Why, it looks to me like he would just do this. I mean, I don't understand why people in the world, I mean, this might be our thinking, I don't understand why people in the world have to go hungry. If I were God, I would just feed everybody. Okay? And, and, and where does that come from? It, I mean, that comes, thoughts like that come from an honest heart. We love we hate to see people suffer, right? I mean, there's a genuineness in us as human beings for our fellow man to think, I hate to see people suffer. I just, I wish that God would just, would just fix that. So if, if we as human beings can have enough concern, this is going to sound backwards, but hang with me. If we as human beings can have enough concern for the human race to question why God is doing things the way God is doing them, how much, God, how much more can't God, because we don't have any control, over the situations. If we can be concerned for the human race, even though we have no control over the human race, how much more does God not have the best interest of the world? How much more cannot God, who does have control, love the world even more than we do? Anything we can do, God can do it better. Amen? Do you believe, do you believe that I love you? I mean me, as, as your pastor. Do you believe that I love you? Do you believe that I love your families? Do you believe that I love this church? I I see a lot of nodding heads. I I see some that are kind of like this, and I'm not sure what that means. But Some of you may question. I know there's been a lot of different things going on around here, and some of you may question. But I don't think anybody in this room would question how much that I I love you, and that if you needed me, I would do the very best that I could to be there for you and help you in any way I can. Man, I'm, I'm limited. Right, I'm bound by time. 
I mean, not that I don't have time. I'm just saying that there's only 24 hours in a day for a preacher, same as there is for everybody else. And, and as a human being, I only have so much strength and I only have so much wisdom. And so, but, but you believe it. I honestly believe that you believe I love you. And you don't question that. How much more can the good shepherd... See, I'm just an under-shepherd. I care about your souls. I really do. I really do care about your souls. I, lo- I care about your physical needs too, and I want to help you in any way I can. But my number one priority is to, make sure, is to see that every person in this room goes to heaven. I'm concerned about your souls and the souls of your families. So God has placed me as a shepherd, but I'm an under-shepherd. Jesus is the ultimate shepherd. If I can love you as much as I love you and do all of this for you, get up at, by the way, I don't remember if I told you what time it was, but at 3.30 in the morning when I took the dog out, I go back and I try to go back to sleep. I'm thinking, okay, because I was already planning. I had time I wanted to get up. I was like, if I could just go back to sleep, um, I, I could get this much sleep, blah, blah, blah. And so I lay down. And it just, the floodgates just started to open. I, I tried to, I tried, you know, I got this thought and I got that thought and, and how much more. And I, I, I tried to roll over. I was like, God, just leave me two more hours. Leave me alone. I, I, I've set an appointment already at six o'clock. You know what I'm trying to, I'm rolling over and I'm thinking, okay, no good. I reach over and get my phone and I start just giving the notes. Why, why would I do that if I didn't love you? So if you can believe that I love you, how, how can you not believe that God would do anything for you? If you just trust him. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for trusting souls. All right, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to close. I'm going to make myself very vulnerable here before you today. Tell a story of myself. It happened last Saturday. So I'm wanting to clear, clear my place off a little bit, burn some brush, fix some fence. And I get Brady out there on a nice Saturday. There's not really much breeze. It's really nice. And I st- I'm going to make this long story as short as I possibly can. Um, I start a fire down by the pond. And I think, okay, it's just a small fire, not much breeze. I'm by the pond for crying out loud. So I can, if anything goes awry, I can get it out. And so we get this fire, fire going. And I say to Brady, uh, let's just make sure it doesn't get in the grass. Because it's just all grass, pasture. Okay, it goes, here's the pond. And then my place has got like a valley that runs down to the pond. And so all this is grass up through here. So this is, if it starts to get in the grass, let me know. And he said, well, it's, it's getting close. I said, well, let's, okay, let's go ahead and put it out. And I, I said that, and not even hardly 10, 15 minutes later, we're fighting fire at the highway at the top of the hill. It got away from me that fast. I mean, it's just like, you know, wind kind of makes its own wind. Or wind makes its own wind, is that what it said? F- wind, wind makes its own wind too. But fire makes its own wind. Right, and so this vortex just, and, and I'm out there, and I'm beating, and I'm raking, and I'm going down, and I'm getting buckets of water, and I'm running up the hill. Brady went to get some wet blankets and stuff, and I run to the bottom of the hill. I pull, you know how heavy a bucket full of water is. I get two buckets of water. I run back up through the smoke, and I'm trying to dump it on the blaze, and it like it, it's like the fire like jumps the water to the dry grass. I'm not making this up. This is a true story. It's like jumps the water over to the dry grass, and run back and forth, and, and I was gasping for breath trying to to keep up and i'm taking in all this smoke so i'm like everything's starting to go dark and i'm i'm i I realize it probably took me longer i'm stubborn so it probably took me longer than most people about halfway up the hill i realize i can't get this out i'm not gonna be able to get this out on my own i mean i mean even even with brady and 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 tina's album quite frankly if brady hadn't been there i think i'd have burned down the tri-state area i mean he put out way more of it than i did but i realized about halfway up I'm, i'm not gonna get this out I'm going to have to have some help. So I think I was, I think I was in shock. I must have been. Because I remember, I remember just going, help! I mean, just like, you know, 
help, God, help. And I'm yelling out loud. Of course, Tina's over on the phone with one, but I'm, I'm, I'm like beating. I was like, help, Lord. And I would, I said, I said, oh, Lord. And I tried to get all Moses on this fire. And I, I said, be still, wind. I did. I'm saying like, Lord, cease the wind. And I kid you not, every time I said that, this big gust of wind went, boom. And Brady's over there like, Dad, quit praying, right? And every, every time I said, God, bring the wind down, the wind came up, and I'm, not, I'm just figuring this out. I'm like, what? I'm like, really? What is the deal? So the next thing I know, you know, halfway up this hill, or actually more than that, as I'm beginning to think, God didn't send any help. In fact, he's blowing on my fire. I get to looking around me. And I see this guy that looks just like Dean Durnell. I'm like, yeah, that guy looks... Again, you got to remember, I'm like half in shock and hyperventilating. I had passed out at least once. I remember falling on the ground one time, and I don't know how long I laid there. But I woke up, and everything's kind of in a haze and a daze. And, and I look and see, man, that guy looks just like Dean Durnell. And, uh, and he's out there fighting the fire. And so when I got my cogs about me, I looked at him and said, are you Dean? <laughs> I really did. I really did. Are you Dean? He said, yes, I'm Dean. Uh, So as it turned out, and it had to have been almost the exact same time I hollered out for help, audibly, that Dean came around the corner. He was coming back from a fishing trip. He was the first one there. And it it had to have been, based on where the fire was at, had to have been right when I called for help. Tina didn't call Dean. God sent Dean at the right moment. So on top of that, it just so happens, just so happens, that in the Blue Buck Church parking lot over across the road sits a forestry service truck. There was two ladies, two forestry service ladies, conservation agents, sitting in their truck across the road, and they were waiting. It was completely unrelated. They were meeting somebody there for something, probably some other idiot that burned his place down. I don't know. But, but they were meeting there for a, a certain reason, and... I mean, we've been, we, Tina and I have been married for 22 years. I don't remember ever seeing a conservation agent sitting out there in the parking lot across the Blue Buck Church. But about halfway up the hill, which would have been about the time I was yelling for help, the ladies told me, it was two ladies, she, they said later, I said, I, she said, I just caught out of the corner of my eye somebody flinging a blanket. And she said to her other, to her other lady, I think that fire's out. You know, those forestry people are really smart, you know what I mean? I think that fire's out, do you think? So they, they grabbed their, their blowers and all their equipment, and they come over there just nice and calm. They had it, half of it out, but you know, I was focused on this little area over here, and whenever it was all said and done, and I looked at my place, and it's like all black. It's like it burned more than I, I thought. And they had it all under control. They just jumped in there. About that time, and Tina had uh, finally got a hold of, of 911, she called 911, the fire department uh, came out, and I just felt like such a doofus. And they're, so they're out there, and they're, they're getting it finished they got up to the road god did shift the direction by the way it's going so it's going this way at first which is mark twain national forest so all i was thinking was ching 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 right i mean I'm, I'm i'm kind of adding the the fines uh, up in my mind as it's going and about the time i cried out for help it, it did change directions and it went south and which south was good because that's where the highway was at and once it got to the highway they were able to contain it and so as dumb as i felt it was a humbling thing for me because i'll be honest with you I didn't want to have to call the fire. The only reason, I wasn't as worried about the Mark Twain National Forest as I was my own pride. I don't want to tell people I burned my place down. This is just crazy. But, but you know, the thing about it, and this, this is the whole point of me telling the story, that if, if I can count on people who are total strangers to me, I mean, I knew Dean, 
And I knew a couple of the firemen, but some of those firemen I didn't know, and I did not know the the forestry ladies. If I can trust total strangers to come and get in the fire with me and help me, how much more can I trust God to get in the fire with me? You know, here's the thing. That little patch of grass is going to be pretty green here in a couple of weeks. So God did me a favor. God didn't bail on me at all. He was there providing for me, helping me, teaching me some lessons along the way. Amen? Those are always fun. God is willing to go in the fire with us. Okay? Not just the physical fire. He's done that before too. With the three Hebrew children. But the fire, the trials of life. Don't let the devil lie to you. He's going he's gonna to lie to you. Don't believe the devil's lies. That God has abandoned you or that he don't care. Or that he's not capable. Anytime you get to feeling less valuable to God, go outside for just a little bit and look at your flowers. Right? Go out and watch the birds for a little while or the squirrels. And just ask yourself, how much more does, not, does God love me than that? I'll tell you something, that'll lift you up, folks. That'll give you some confidence. That'll give you some trust in God. There's even a little part, I'm done. There's even a little part of you this morning that desires to know God. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you're not, you've, never become, you've never been a Christian. You've never been saved. This is all new to you. Maybe you, you can sense God's drawing you. You know you need God. Maybe, so. maybe you honestly can't say, I know God. I know, you can say, I know about him. But as far as having a, a close relationship where I can say, I know God. He just, he speaks peace into my heart. If there's even a little part of you that desires to know God, how much more does not God want to know you? That's why he created us all the desire to know us, each one intimately and personally, he wants that. And that can take place right here this morning. It's not a big, huge spiritual ritual. It's a matter of you, plain and simply, understanding I am God's creation. The only reason I'm alive is because God gave me life. And I'm just, I just want to bring this life to God, and I want him to be in control of it. Doesn't sound that hard. You know why? Because it ain't. So as you stand this morning, I want everybody just to search your own hearts today. You say, I don't know God this morning, but I want to know God. I'm here to tell you as God's messenger that God wants to know you even more than you want to know him. So you think to yourself, well, all my sins, my past, I've done this, I've done that. Or you're worried about the future, I won't be able to live it out. I have this and that and something else. All these worries... Can you this morning just know that however much you, God much more. So you English teachers get on to me later. I'm sure that was not proper English. However much you, God much more. Amen? Bow with me this morning. Father, we love you today. We open our hearts to you this morning, each one of us. God, those of us that that are saved, we've already come to the place where we've repented of our sins and we've trusted our life with you we understand we're broken just because we're saved doesn't mean we're perfect at all and i pray god that you would draw closer to each and every one of us this morning as we draw closer to you as you search this place god your eyes upon every heart only you and only the person can know really how they stand with you 
So this morning, I pray that they'll see how much more you love them, how much more that you died for them, how much more that you can provide for them, care for them throughout the remainder of their life. Deal with hearts this morning, Lord, as we sing the song of invitation. Let nothing hinder. Don't let the voice of the enemy come in to confuse, discourage, or hinder the work that you want to do. We ask you just to rise and let your enemy be scattered this morning. Hallelujah. He 